Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. This is the Dan Abrams Lawn Crime Podcast, Sirius XM Radio. Before I get to what I view as the topic of the day, and that'll be Chris Cuomo and the beating he is taking from all these different parties with various interests. And I guess I'm probably going to be the only person in America right now who's going to be defending him, but I am. Um, and I'll get to that in a minute, but as I was preparing for the show and just sort of reviewing various, um, legal rulings, et cetera, um, I noticed something on my law and crime website that I hadn't realized. And that is that the same judge in the district of Columbia issued two very big, politically related cases, I think in one day. Um, The articles, uh, both written by deputy editor of Law and Crime and attorney Aaron Keller, um, were written on Tuesday night and Wednesday. But one of them relates to an effort by Giuliani and Sidney Powell and Mike Lindell to throw out the lawsuit brought, brought by Dominion. And the other one was an effort by the Washington Post to dismiss a case brought by Devin Nunez. What I found so interesting about this is that the the judge here, Judge Carl Nichols from the D.C. Um, District Court, a clerk for Justice Thomas, worked for uh, the second George Bush in the Justice Department, has ruled against Sidney Powell and Giuliani and all of them in a very dismissive opinion and narrowly ruled for Nunez on a procedural matter, but threw out some of his claims. And one of the things that I think is so important in looking at these together is that it shows you that the vast majority of our judges no matter who appoints them, are going to play it straight. Now, you want to talk about you know, the big picture questions about how far states can go in regulating certain issues in the Supreme Court. It's a different topic. But what I'm saying is that there's this sense out there, I think, in the public. Well, this guy was appointed by Trump. So, of course, He's going to defend anything Trump-related. And that's not the case. And I think it's really important for all of us to focus on that, is the fact that the vast majority of judges out there are doing good work. They all look at it through their own lens. But when people make ridiculous claims, and Donald Trump makes a lot of them, his appointees aren't going to just say, oh, yeah, well, you know. He makes claim and he appointed me. That should be encouraging to all of us. 
But let me bring in uh, Deputy Editor of Law and Crime, uh, Aaron Keller, uh, into the conversation. Um, Aaron, uh, thank you very much for, for joining us. Appreciate it. All right. So I was really interested in the fact that this judge issued both of these opinions. Um, I guess it was the same, the same day. Was it the same day? Yeah, they both came out yesterday, uh, Dan. And uh, it, 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 it's one of these things, as you said properly, uh, that is a bit of a conundrum to people who are purely political observers and not necessarily legal observers. So let's talk about each of these cases. Because let, let me ask you, it's funny. I was thinking about calling you offline to ask you what you thought about some of these rulings. I said, you know what? Why should I call him offline? I'm going to call him on the radio show and, and have him share uh, his views on this stuff uh, with everybody. So real quick, I, I want you to, if you can give me a quick summary, I'm going to ask you for a summary of each case, and then we'll talk sort of broader analysis. But, but in terms of the, the case by Dominion, that the judge decided um, against Powell, Giuliani, et cetera, and they're all making different kinds of arguments. What is the heart of the ruling in that opinion? There are many hearts of this ruling, and <laughs> it is a complicated opinion, and I know that that gets tricky. But look, the bottom line is most of the defense tactics, and again, I'm speaking very generally here, because each one of the named defendants, and there were the three individuals plus a few corporate entities, Sidney Powell's law firm, etc. cetera. Uh, generally speaking, they each had their own defense tactic, and the judge just went one by one and, uh, in essence, rubbished every single one of them uh, line by line. Many of the defense tactics were procedural. They were things uh, like Sidney Powell said, uh, I can't be sued over these because I'm just commenting on the, the substance and matter of my own lawsuits. And the judge said, no, that doesn't provide you a liability shield. You can't put it in a court document and then evade potential liability in a defamation standpoint, uh, a defamation lawsuit, uh, from just putting these in the court file and then repeating them freely. Uh, that was just one of the many tactics. Uh, Mike Lindell tried to say, uh, I can't be sued in Washington, D.C., and the judge turned around and said, no, you can be sued here because you've come to Washington, D.C. to attend – Donald Trump's mega rallies, uh, and you've uh, you've used these as a marketing pitch for my pillow, and therefore you can be sued in Washington D.C. And oh, by the way, another reason you can be sued here is because Donald Trump endorsed your products from the Rose Garden, and that's another reason why. Uh, Rudy Giuliani's uh, defense tactic: one of them was basically to say uh, that I don't like the way Dominion pleaded damages. Uh, they should have pleaded damages in another way. Uh, the judge turned around and said, uh, "No, uh, if Dominion were an individual, then damages presumed based on the commentary that you've given against Dominion, and therefore I will let Dominion uh, presume damages in this right. case as well." So all those cases are now moving forward. Um, at least for now, based on uh, Judge Nichols' ruling. And then on the, the same day, he rules that Devin Nunez's defamation lawsuit against the Washington Post can move forward. Now, I'm going to ask you to, to, to get a little bit more in the weeds on this one, because I will tell you that before I read the ruling in your article, my first response was, oh, boy, that really... How the heck can you let Devin Nunez, this sort of serial litigant who sues everybody and anybody over all sorts of ridiculous claims, how can you let that case move forward? And then I read 
what the ruling was and the reasoning was. And, you know, it's a close call, but it seems to me that this was a very well thought out um, ruling from this judge. What did you make of it? I agree with that assessment as well, Dan. Uh, I think maybe this judge was a little bit more forgiving of Nunez than he may perhaps. Uh, well, let me back that up. He, he was a little more forgiving than perhaps some other judges might have yeah. been. Uh, that's just my pure opinion. But yep. the opinion was rested on a considerable amount of logic. I think that this ruling was 18 pages long. Uh, and the bottom line here was is the judge really didn't like the fact that the Washington Post in previous coverage had reported one thing and then reported another thing in the story that resulted in the litigation. The factual circumstances are very, very weedy in this. They have to do with the theories of whether or not President Trump's campaign was spied upon, whether any of that alleged spying hitched. Well, and and, and really, Aaron, I think it's fair to I think it's fair to say that it goes to sort of what the definition of spying is. Right. Because basically what happened is the Washington Post described Nunez's theory as baseless. And the point was that he had said in the past I'm not saying that they were wiretapping Trump, but I am saying that he might have gotten caught up in some more NSA uh, type surveillance, et cetera. And so Nunez's position was that that could be considered spying, too. And by the post not distinguishing between what Trump was saying, which is, oh, they're all listening to me. They're wiretapping me. And Nunez was much more nuanced and calling Nunez baseless. The judge is saying, at least I'm going to let this case move forward to a to a jury for them to decide, even though, as you point out in your article, the judge was 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 very suspicious of Nunez's arguments. Fair. Uh, That's that's completely fair. And I also agree with that assessment. Uh, I think he he really latched into this notion uh, of the word baseless, that the, that this use in modern media parlance of using baseless to describe a lot of claims actually carries a significant amount of factual weight. Uh, and I think the big picture lesson for journalists like yourself and me is, you know, that word may be being used just a little bit too frequently these days, especially considering that the post had made, uh, in essence, uh, the Post had distinguished between all of the things that you mentioned, Dan, in previous reporting. They glossed it in the report that became the subject of this lawsuit, and the Post raised that as a defense. The judge said, I'm not going to let you get there just yet. You didn't draw the distinctions in this particular report. You glossed them, and even though you corrected it and issued conspicuous corrections, I'm going to let this one go forward. Um And one of the things that I think that judges and the public use against the media, we're talking to Aaron Keller, uh, deputy editor of lawandcrime.com. One of the things that the public and the judge use against the Post was the fact that they knew, based on their other reporting, that this wasn't the case. So, as as, you know, the, the standard of actual malice, which requires either, you know, substantial doubts about what you're reporting or, um, you know, you you have to have— uh, known or uh, reasonably believed, et cetera. So, so they're saying, in essence, you should have known um, 
that what you were reporting wasn't accurate, and their own reporting was used against them. Exactly. The judge uh, writing, and I'm quoting here from the opinion, a newspaper's own prior and correct reporting that is inconsistent with its later and incorrect reporting could certainly give the paper, the Washington Post, reason to seriously doubt the truth of its later publication. In other words, you can't say one thing and then gloss it or say the opposite and then expect to rest on actual malice as a defense. Then, in right. other words, that about face by the newspaper, perhaps even um, uh, a mistaken one, there was, there was just a slip. They didn't distinguish these theories the way Devin uh, Nunes wanted them to. That that to this judge was enough. And again, as I said before, this might be uh, a little bit more favorable for this particular plaintiff from this particular judge than perhaps some other judges may have gone in this particular scenario. But this judge backed this opinion up with a lot of case law. And it was a very careful, close read of exactly what the newspaper said and when they said it. Uh, so the, the logic in this is uh, is easy to follow. It's a it's a well written opinion, and, uh, and, you, know, and you can think politically of it what you will. But the bottom line is is that the judge didn't just make this ruling willy nilly. And and Aaron, but he did dismiss some of Nunez's um, uh, claims as well. He got rid of uh, and, and forgive me on this. Uh, I, I didn't is closely read that part of the opinion uh, on the deadline that we were on for getting the story up. That's but right. He said, yeah, we're going to get rid of some of, uh, I think it was just the pure negligence uh, right. claims or, or something of that nature. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, but, but that's, those were the weaker claims anyway. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the defamation claim was the big taco so, that they needed to worry about. And the judge really, uh, really closely parsed that analysis. All right. Before I, before I let you go, uh, what do you make of my overriding thought here, which is you've got this very conservative judge, right, who's clerked for Clarence Thomas, worked in conservative politics, et cetera. Um, and, you know, yes, you can argue that allowing the Nunez case to move forward uh, was a case where maybe another judge wouldn't have. But it's not a ridiculous ruling. It's actually, you know, uh, relatively close on the issue of summary judgment. I mean, I, I agree with you that I think that, you know, if if another judge was was evaluating it, the case might have been dismissed from Nunez. But but, you know, calling it baseless when he really had made these sort of distinctions certainly makes it wrong, as the Post itself admitted the question just becomes whether it was effectively an innocent mistake or not. But big picture, it just seems to me there is something I think that the the public can take away from both these rulings that says that, you know, you may not agree on everything, et cetera. But, you know, even the, the some of the, the most conservative judges that Donald Trump appointed you know, are not doing crazy things, as I think many on the left fear that they are. I would agree with that assessment. And here's why, Dan, uh, several things. First of all, the judge in the Nunez case made it relatively clear. Uh, some of this is reading between the lines, but he made it relatively clear that even if this results in some kind of a win, uh, it's not going to be that much of a win. 
Uh, he was highly skeptical of this litigation, but he did say uh, that it should go to a jury. Um, yeah. And he also, this is important to note as well, we know that many people on the right, including Donald Trump himself, have complained about this actual malice uh, prophylactic standard that gives uh, the public, journalists, commentators, and whatnot considerable leeway in commenting on public officials. This judge did not attack that standard, which is what many conservatives want their judges to do. They want actual malice off the law books. They want to wipe that case law clean and give public officials the chance to sue the media. This judge did not come anywhere close to doing that. He said, this is the standard. I'm following it. And Nunes gets a very, very sliver of a window into taking this case in front of a jury. So the bottom line is this judge did not try to be an activist judge to use that verbiage. He said, this is the law. It's on the books. I'm applying it. Uh, there might be some you know, discussion about whether or not it was a right application, but we're not in, in a debate here about whether or not this legal standard goes right out the window. So he is following the legal standards on the books. Uh, the articles are entitled Federal Judge Hands Dominion Procedural Win um, and Federal Judge Rules Devin Nunez Lawsuit Against Washington Post Can Continue. They're wrote, both written by the deputy editor of Law and Crime, uh, Aaron Keller, who's also um, an attorney and a terrific legal analyst. Aaron, great to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on. Glad to be here, Dan. All right, so let's switch gears now. Um, and I want to talk about the man who comes before this show on Sirius Radio. He's getting pummeled by everybody, all right? And I, and I laid it out. I wrote, to my, I wrote myself a note before, we, before I came on the air to sort of lay out all the different groups who are going after Chris Cuomo right now. The right, right? Because the right has hated Chris Cuomo for a long time, putting aside his family connections, et cetera. But... You know, he has uh, become a villain to many on the right. So they are many of them are um, reveling in this, although, as I'll play in a moment, um, some of them are sort of uh, defending him a little bit. The far left, again, Cuomo, white man of privilege, um, you know, uh, uh, probably not uh, liberal enough for some on the far left. Um, so they're enjoying this. And that's connected to number three, which is uh, because it's, it's some of the same people, those who want to punish anyone who advised Andrew Cuomo. Anyone who advised Andrew Cuomo ought to be punished. And then finally, they're the capital J journalists uh, who are basically all talking about how, you know, as a journalistic matter, the fact that he was advising his brother and this and that. And I've been through that before. Um you know, it, it, people, I mean, look, I, I'm, I was looking through headlines. It's like USA Today, CNN's Chris Cuomo, critics call for consequences after Andrew Cuomo's resignation. Um, uh, Washington Post uh, calls for an investigation of Chris Cuomo. Um, the, uh, the, the media uh, reporter for the Washington Post, Eric Wemple, who I've had on the show, actually, I think I debated him on this topic, going after uh, Cuomo. Margaret Sullivan at the Washington Post. Um, Chris Cuomo and CNN have blown it, et cetera. And so the the issue on, on the final two, right, this question of um, the uh, 
those who want to punish anyone who sort of advised him, right? And then the position that many take is, well, he helped to undermine these women. And I think of it like this. Let's assume that I'm actually practicing law as opposed to playing a lawyer on the radio and on TV. But let's assume I'm back. I'm, I'm actually practicing law. And I'm still doing all the things I'm doing. And I represent someone who's unsavory. And by the way, it's, well, I'll, let me finish the thought. I represent someone who's unsavory. And I help that person, right? And part of my defense is to attack some of the witnesses. Is the position going to be, well, now Dan Abrams shouldn't be able to do anything in media because he was involved in helping. Chris Cuomo admitted, of course I'm going to talk to my brother. Of course I'm, he's my brother. That's why I can't talk about it. That's why there's a conflict. Now, the Capital J journalists all cite, well, what about all the interviews he did with them back in the day? If you don't know the difference between an interview with the governor who's your brother, where you're interviewing him as his brother, Oh, well, that's a journalistic sin. How dare he interview his brother? It's a conflict of interest. No, the conflicts of interest, the dangerous ones, are the people who don't admit what they're doing. So they don't let the viewers decide for themselves. It's the people who don't admit their conflicts. It's the people who go to the White House and have an off-the-record conversation with the White House and the president and don't tell you then. Well, I can't talk about it. That's okay. But it's not okay for Chris Cuomo to advise his brother. And now that Andrew Cuomo has resigned, there's blood in the water, right? We got him. We got him. They're all coming down for Chris now. And this is um, uh, Stephen Colbert interviewing the media reporter for CNN, Brian Stelter, who was, you know, sort of, you know, again, Brian gets caught up in the capital J journalism stuff, too, about the conflicts and and that, and he shouldn't have been advising his brother and et cetera. Um, And before I play this, let me make one other point about Chris, which is he said he was not going to join in any more uh, strategy calls with the rest of the governor's team. Now people saying, well, Chris Cuomo advised his brother to resign. See, he said he was going to stop. No, he said he wasn't going to go on any more of those calls with the other members of the governor's team. Advising. Of course he's going to be talking to him. Please. But here's Colbert questioning Brian Stelter way i can confirm the new york times report i'll i'll confirm it for your viewers i also have a source that says chris was on the phone with his brother this week is your source chris cuomo he is not he is not you gotta have boundaries you gotta draw a line why he doesn't 
Uh, I think he does, actually. Really? I think Chris does. I don't know about the governor. What are the boundaries? I think Chris does. What are the boundaries? The boundary that, that CNN management presented to him in May when, when they admitted he screwed up. They said, yeah. you know, what you did was inappropriate. You were on the phone with your brother's aides advising them on what to do. And that was inappropriate. But they said, of course you're going to talk to your brother. You know, there's nothing more important. But he than didn't talk about more. his brother once the trouble started. He That's said, I'm right. not going to talk about my brother. And that was also a management ruling. And so the but way why didn't I they rule that this. way when his brother was on the show pretty much every night uh, during the yeah, COVID crisis? I think it's really that seems like an odd uh, conflict of rules. But but it's not. In one case, he's involved in a scandal. A scandal is different than putting out information about COVID and doing brother. Look, the example. Look, as many of you know, I'm going to be hosting a show on News Nation. Um, coming up in September. It's going to be a, a, a very opinionated, moderate um, show where I hope that it's viewed, as I like to say, as a cable news show for the rest of us because everything's gotten so far so left and so right. Can I not have my dad on? The greatest First Amendment lawyer in the country? Oh, that's his father. That's not a... Oh, that's a violation of the journalistic code. Here's the problem, is that the, the, the problem Chris has is in calling himself a journalist. Right? I don't call myself a journalist. I used to be a journalist. I don't think any of the cable news hosts are journalists. They all think they are, right? They all call themselves journalists. They are talk show hosts. They ask questions, yes. The journalists are the people who are out gathering information. They are people who are in the field. They're people who are writing the stories, etc. Just stop pretending that you're that all these cable news hosts are, I'm a journalist. Oh, I'm a journalist. Just say I'm a, I, I host a news talk show where I provide opinions sometimes. It's not that hard. But, you know, this is a time. The, 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 as I said, there's blood in the water. So everyone wants to try and sink Chris Cuomo. Here's uh, um, Breaking Points, which is a popular podcast by Crystal Ball and Sagar and Jetty. Here's what they were saying about Chris Cuomo. Number four. John Berman, who we handed off to Chris Cuomo, he started, led his show with it. He put it in the prime position, uncomfortable, in his show, and then hands off to Chris Cuomo, who says not one word. How do you have any credibility, not just Chris Cuomo, but CNN? CNN, how do you have any credibility about your journalistic integrity when you're just completely silent on this whole thing. It's so disgraceful. So now he needs to be talking about it more. I see. I got it now. So now he's not talking about it enough. So CNN should be hosting Chris Cuomo to talk about his brother's scandal. You can't have it both ways. Look, I, I think CNN has kind of walked the line here in, in a decent way. I, look, in my view, they should just come out defending Chris Cuomo. They're not going to. They can't. 
Why can't they? Because all the journalists on staff are appalled. The journalists. Here's the problem. The only people who take journalists that seriously are other journalists. The public just doesn't, oh, we're going to lose trust and faith in journalists. Come on, how can we lose any more trust? This is why, again, and I don't mean to sound like I'm promoting my show all the time, even though I am, uh, you know, that, that what I'm going to be doing on my show is I'm going to say, look, here's where I'm coming from. I'm not objective. You can now decide for yourself what you think. You now know what I think. So take that into consideration when figuring out what you think. That's what I try to do with all of you guys. All right, no one else out there. It's like you defend Chris Cuomo and you are the, oh, well. I mean, you get hit from one of these four groups that I mentioned. The right, the far left, the people who feel that the governor hasn't been punished enough, so let's punish the people around him, and the Capital J Journals. This has been the Dan Abrams Lawn Crime Podcast with Sirius XM Radio. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You know your business. At Excel Energy, we know saving your business money. So if you run an auto dealership, you know never to use a 5W30 oil when you really need a 10W30. Or if you make donuts, you know the secret is an overnight rise at just the right temperature. But what you might not know is how to save your business money and energy. That's our job. Whether your business is big or small, we'll help you find energy efficiency upgrades and money-saving rebates. Visit ExcelEnergy.com slash Energy Advisors. Hey, everyone. It's Megan Trainer for Profile by Sanford. We're all working hard to balance our lives these days. And sometimes the toughest part is being the me I want to be. Profile's one-on-one coaching and customized nutrition plans will help you stay on track. Balancing a healthy lifestyle, losing weight, and understanding nutrition isn't easy. But Profile makes it simple. Now you can try four weeks of Profile for only $49. Find your plan at ProfilePlan.com. That's ProfilePlan.com. This is the Dan Abrams Lawn Crime Podcast with Sirius XM Radio. It was funny because yesterday I had planned on my News Nation show, again, which airs at 8 p.m. on News Nation, on talking about the politicization, but I had felt like um, the conversation on the uh, on this show just kind of fizzled a little bit on the question of politicization. So I was like, you know, maybe it's not as interesting as I think it is. And then Donald Trump comes out with that insulting comment about an American hero who made mistakes, right? Made mistakes. But that's to be expected to some degree. I, mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I wasn't expecting it. This is worse than I expected. I'll be honest. This is worse. I didn't expect it to be that bad. I didn't expect him to insult Colin Powell. I expected him to make a sort of more subtle dig at him. But the more insidious stuff to me came in the form of vaccine hesitancy that somehow the death of Colin Powell should lead us all to question vaccines more. 
Now, let's be clear on the facts. Colin Powell was suffering from a blood cancer called myeloma. The impact of that is it reduces your immune system. It is exactly the wrong disease to have with COVID. He was vaccinated. According to his assistant, he was about to get a booster shot. Which would suggest, you know, he probably got it six, eight months ago. And that maybe it had worn off a little bit. But most importantly, he was an 84-year-old man with a disease that significantly impacts your immune system. So rather than providing that context on Fox News, Tucker Carlson went after him, but at least Tucker admits that he is intentionally trying to create vaccine hesitancy. He admits, he says, you know, well, this, I mean, I can actually read you the exact quote of, what he said is Tucker says, so what does it tell you exactly? Well, it tells you you've been lied to. Vaccines may be useful for some people, but across a population, they do not solve COVID. That's not speculation. It's an observable fact. Observable fact doesn't solve COVID. Right. But across a population, it could solve covid if more people got it that's the whole point but at least he's being intellectually honest the people who bother me and i've talked about this before are the people who say i just have questions you know i told you i have this friend who watches too much fox news he always tells, tells me you know i'm just asking questions i just want to understand this stuff yeah, just ask some questions. And that's what Will Cain, who is trying to get the 7 o'clock hour at Fox and has to figure out a way to make himself pop. And, and he did. He succeeded uh, last night. But just asking questions. Just, just asking questions. So I want to play you the questions that he's asking and show you There are answers to the vast majority of the questions. And the vast majority of the questions he asked are answered on the CDC website. Is that too much to ask? So here's the first piece of sound from Will Cain uh, on uh, Fox News primetime last night. Number one. It's true that Powell was fully vaccinated, but as many pointed out, he was 84 years old. He was suffering from a terrible form of blood cancer called multiple myeloma, which suppresses the immune system. So Powell, he may be an outlier. Does this tell us anything about the effectiveness of the vaccine? For that matter, what does it mean that Powell was fully vaccinated? What does fully vaccinated mean? Is that two shots from Pfizer, from Moderna? Is a booster required to be considered fully vaccinated? What if you're in the vulnerable demographic? Are you fully vaccinated if you haven't had a booster? These are important questions, not just for our health, but so that we may comply and keep our jobs under these rolling mandates. 
Well, here's the good news. On the FAQ, on the CDC website, they have most asked questions. One of the most asked questions is, quote, Am I still considered fully vaccinated if I don't get a booster shot? The answer, yes. Everyone is still considered fully vaccinated two weeks after their second dose in a two-shot series, such as Pfizer or Moderna vaccines, or two weeks after a single-dose vaccine, such as the J&J Janssen vaccine. Whoa! There you go. Look at that. The answer's right there. He has questions. Questions. Here's, here's more of his questions, number two. When, for example, was Powell vaccinated? Was it six months ago or was it two months ago? How long does the vaccine last? Did he get a booster? How recently did he get the booster? I'm not asking questions to invade Colin Powell's privacy. These are questions for all of us. Oh, thank goodness someone is asking these questions for all of us, right? But again, if he'd just done an inkling of research, he would have seen that Powell's longtime assistant told the Washington Post well before this show aired that Powell was preparing to get the booster but became ill. So it does seem he was preparing, probably hit that time, where he was going to get a booster. Hey, I've now answered the two biggest sets of questions that Will Cain was just asking. He doesn't know. I don't know anything special. I just read the CDC website. I just read the the articles. Okay, more questions from Will Cain, number three. Another one, if you have one shot of the Johnson & Johnson, are you vaccinated? Or is its effectiveness now so low that you need to immediately get the booster as suggested yesterday by Dr. Anthony Fauci? And by the way, speaking of Dr. Fauci and vaccine effectiveness, how effective overall are these vaccines? The headlines have shifted over the past 18 months. And look at these numbers. We have gone from implications that the vaccine was 100% effective to 90% to 70%, to 60%, to 50%. And now, new reports show Johnson & Johnson shot is only 3% effective. This does not inspire much confidence. The vaccine seems to wear off. Do you notice the little word game he played there at the beginning? Implications that the vaccine was 100% effective? No one in the scientific community ever said the vaccines are 100% effective. No one. And no one is saying now that the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is 3% effective. That's true. We don't know exactly. The the numbers do vary between, you know, when you get a new variant, right, like Delta, right? And you have to shift the numbers. I'm reading again. The latest news to come from Johnson Johnson. He claims 3% effective. Experts say those who receive Johnson & Johnson one dose are awfully well protected, but should still get another shot for maximum safety. 
oh, it's so confusing, isn't it? You just don't know what to do. You've got so many questions, right? Let's go to number four. How did Colin Powell get COVID? Hard to believe he was coming into contact with the dirty, dreaded, and soon-to-be-unemployed, unvaccinated. Who knows? Again, the notion that, I've got questions. You know what? I think the vast majority of people who get COVID would like to know exactly how they got it. Some know, right? I got it from my kids. My wife got it. Okay, that makes sense. For a lot of other people, they say, I don't know how I got it. You know, went to a restaurant. I went to the gym. I went here. I went there. You know, at one point, I actually got got an alert on my phone that said that I had been in contact with someone, sorry, like New York State has this thing, and I guess I signed into it, where if you have been in proximity, your phone has, with someone else who ends up getting COVID, and you were next to that person for at least 15 minutes, your phone warns you. And actually, Sam Goldberg, my producer, will remember this, because he and I were supposed to meet up, and we did, but we sat outside 15 feet apart from each other, because (laughs) I was concerned about this notice that I'd gotten on my phone. And Sam, the good news for me was I got to stay away from you, which was a, which was which was a bonus for me. COVID, COVID could, was uh, not stopping me from seeing. Yeah, you. there was there exactly. was nothing that would stop me. Exactly. So we had a we still had our meeting, but we stayed very far apart. Of course, I then went and got tested. I didn't have COVID. Um, but again, these questions that, that 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 just you know. All right, so let's keep going with more of Will Will Kane's questions on 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 Fox News primetime number five. I've offered no opinion here on the vaccine. I'm not giving you the conclusion like so many others. I'm not leading you to vaccine hesitancy or hectoring you on the other end of the spectrum into getting the shot. Anyone who suggests otherwise is lying to you and they will lie to you and they will edit out this part of this segment. I'm trusting you with the facts and asking questions that as of yet, no one has answered correctly and they haven't even answered consistently. (laughs) I just answered every question. I didn't edit that out either. The world's out to get him, right? They're all going to come after me because I'm just, I'm just having the, the courage to ask questions. Oh, spare me the self-righteousness, please. Of course what he's doing is trying to create vaccine hesitancy. Why else would you ask questions that we know the answers to? And some are unanswerable, but irrelevant. We know that the vaccines are incredibly effective. Primarily at preventing hospitalization and people getting really sick. It is just unbelievable. The lengths people will go to make themselves seem like they're, they're brave, right? Is it really brave not to get the vaccine rather than having to get two shots in your arm and your arm hurting for a day or getting sick as a result of it? Is that is the brave thing to do to say I'm not going to get the vaccine? It is just unbelievable 
Take your calls. I don't have a guest today. 866-967-6887. I'm going to be talking about this on my News Nation show tonight, too. Um, but it is truly astounding. Um, let's go to Mike in New York. Hey, Mike, what's going on? Dan, you know, John Roberts from um, Fox News. Yes. Kind of disrespecting a little bit of Colin Powell, blaming it on, you know, not not knowing that he had those blood diseases and everything. So, And he know, then deleted, that. he tweeted out saying it leads to new questions, and then he deleted yeah. the tweet. And then I saw he had a guest on. They had those two had a guest on, and they and. Uh, you know, somebody to do with Colin Powell, you know, saying, why would you bring up but, that he was, why wouldn't you bring up why he, he, you know, that he had a blood disorder right in front of John Roberts' face? And you could just see the blank look on his face. But, you know, as far as Colin Powell, you know, he's, he got information just like everybody else did. You know, he got some things wrong. We all do. And for Donald Trump to write something like that, you know, Donald Trump was on Howard Stern's show saying he wanted to go to war in Iraq. So, you know, it's just one of those things. It's just a shame that, you know, he has to just – he did the same thing to John McCain, you know, not being a war hero. Yeah. It's just a shame. So it's like, you know, you take it with a grain of salt, I guess, with the stuff he writes. But, but, but I don't think you should take it with a grain of salt. I think he should be treated like every other former president with the respect enough – that you take his words seriously, you know? People want us to not take his words seriously, you know? Yeah, but nothing, he, you know, all he did was just lie for four years. And, and, and the pe- people don't care. One side doesn't care, and the other side knows it, that he yeah, lied. Well, and all he says is just garbage that comes out of his mouth. So, All right, Mike, thank you. Let's go to uh, Megan in Maine. Megan, how you doing? Doing good, thanks. How are you? Good. So I'm calling as a person who's a virologist and who does. I remember you've been outreach. on the show before. I, I sure have. Thanks for taking yep. my call again. Yep. Um, thank you very much for calling out the "I'm just asking questions" routine. It's something that we deal with an unbelievable amount. People who are in bad faith just saying. I'm only asking questions when you know dang well they know the answer. What this has to do um, for me is I'm I'm looking at this. The morning we heard the news about General Powell, the first thing you started seeing was people saying, well, he was vaccinated. Why? This proves it doesn't work. And my first thought was, with all due respect to him, 84-year-old cancer patient dies of infection is not exactly a hot take. Um, that is not an unexpected thing. And frankly, it should illuminate to all of us that General Powell is exactly the sort of person that we should be continuing to mask, continuing to get vaccinated, to try to stop transmission, to protect people like him who did exactly what they were supposed to do and for their own health reasons were not able to reap the full benefit. Yep, yep. Uh, It's just, it's astounding. And it really is. So, um, all right. Thank you, Megan. Let's go to a Willie in North Carolina. Willie, how you doing? What's going on? I, I, don't, I don't agree with you that we should respect that baboon 
Because let me tell you something. Just because he held the presidency, he disrespected the <clears throat> institution. He disrespected citizens <clears throat> of this country and of the world. He is a uh, admitted sexual predator and a uh, never mind lying whatnot. And also. It seems that the uh, the people who engage in interference for the campaign of Donald J. Trump have uh, blocked Willie from continuing his thoughts. The way that people are claiming to just ask questions about COVID and how phony that is. This has been the Dan Abrams Lawn Crime Podcast with Sirius XM Radio. Angie's List is now... Angie, A-N-G-I, and caring for your home just got easier. Whether you need help with routine maintenance or a dream remodel, Angie makes it easy to see reviews, compare quotes, and connect with top local pros who can get the job done right. Plus, you could see upfront pricing and instantly book hundreds of projects. No phone tag, just the work you need done at a time that works for you. Angie's got your to-do list covered from start to finish. Book your next home project today at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, everyone. It's Megan Trainer for Profile by Sanford. We're all working hard to balance our lives these days. And sometimes the toughest part is being the me I want to be. Profile's one-on-one coaching and customized nutrition plans will help you stay on track. Balancing a healthy lifestyle, losing weight, and understanding nutrition isn't easy. But Profile makes it simple. Now you can try four weeks of Profile for only $49. Find your plan at ProfilePlan.com. That's ProfilePlan.com.